0: Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I chat with a different member of the Magic the Gathering community every single episode, and we share our tips, tricks, tragedies, and triumphs as we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, we had a lot of amazing news recently in the world of Magic, and therefore I needed to have an amazing guest on the podcast return to talk all about it. Please welcome back, Dragosi. Hey, how's it going, everybody? How are you doing so far today?
1: Doing well. Doing well. Just uh, been taking some time to kind of recoup from the month from of Magic beforehand, taking mm-hmm. a couple of days off and getting right back into it here pretty soon.
0: Very nice. So let's catch up people that haven't listened to the episode before. And just a quick origin story. What year or maybe Magic set did you start off with?
1: I started playing Magic in 2010. Um, so about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and I started with uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. There we go. Oh, okay. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Zendikar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I started with with, uh, with Rise of the Eldrazi uh, back in... It was still Shards of Alara and Zend- original um, Zendikar block.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. So you've been around a while. Uh, what's your favorite archetype or magic format or color or anything like that?
1: Um, Right now, my favorite, I think my favorite format overall has to be, I guess if you count cube, like vintage cube Mm -hmm. um, is one of my favorite things. I always play it on magic online when it's up. Mm -hmm. Um, I put, I do videos on it and stuff, uh, which is, uh, I love, I love doing that. I stream it a whole bunch. Constructed format right now. I mean, I also love vintage. I love legacy. I love some of the older formats, but Mm -hmm. uh, since I don't quite have the ability to play those at the moment playing on magic arena historic has become Mm -hmm. one of my favorite formats
0: very cool i've been enjoying historic a lot myself actually too i uh just got up to mythic for the first time playing a really weird jank mono white Ulamog deck and i have and i have the stream to prove it that i got up to actually mythic with that with that build very cool hmm so thank you for being on the podcast would you like to promote uh, anything of your online presence
1: yeah so i'm on twitter at esportsallen. uh my twitch is DragosiMTG, mtg uh and then i have some more promotion to do a little, a little bit later uh a little bit later in the show i got some cool stuff to to talk about
0: oh cool so that'll definitely entice people to listen for the throughout the whole episode so, okay, um, let's do a quick tip for the audience. Uh, I know that uh, there's different levels of skill uh, in the audience at the moment. Let's give them a tip. Uh,
1: I think my one thing that I will tell people, um, that my my, my tip, quote-unquote, for people, uh, is to not be afraid to, or I should say, we need to do away with the stigmatism of, quote-unquote, net deck. mm right um generally everything is a net deck regardless of where you find it mm-hmm. um like you've 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 it the internet is is a much more commonplace than it used to be mm-hmm. back when that phrase was coined uh and so the the stigmatism behind or the stigma behind net deck quote-unquote right um is is relatively like derogatory it's for people mm-hmm. like people say that th- that somebody doesn't have any skill because they just you know net decked something they just grabbed it from somebody else i mean yeah that's that's kind of the point um there are people who while while it is I, I, and also nothing against people who brew absolutely not brew away i love brews but generally there are people who are at the top end of magic there are people who are very high-end competitive players uh, and they, their, their job is to test and to play magic. And if they come up with a deck that works, and you want to win tournaments and you want to win mm-hmm. you, um, ladder games, there's no shame in picking up that deck. There's no shame in playing that deck. Don't, you know, if you, if you, if it, if your jam is to go and play the ladder and play with a deck that you came up with, a, with a, with an interesting brew, by all means, that's, that's on you. No one's telling you that, that's, you know, you shouldn't do that. But at the same time, don't. You know we need to tell you know we need to make sure make it so that people do not feel bad about going and playing a deck that somebody else had had, had put together and had had success with because that's what we you know some people want to just have success in the game mm-hmm. I, I i've hit mythic a few times playing decks that other people have made um mm-hmm. and and so you know the, and there's no shame in that there's no there's no issue with that so i, my, I think my one tip would be is just don't don't be afraid to grab a deck from somebody, there's tons of resources out there for deck lists. Don't be afraid to use those those resources to help you play in ladder mm-hmm. or in tournaments or you know whatever.
0: Yeah, I think it bears repeating that the pros do it. I'd see plenty of pros tweeting out that. They're preparing for a new event and they're, they're maybe in a team and each one of them maybe is playing that that particular deck. So if the pros are doing yeah. it, you can do it. If you're trying to grind dailies, if you're trying to get to the top of the ladder, then yeah, you can. You have these resources that you can reach out to and uh, it is a perfectly viable strategy. And, and it also depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to do the competitive stuff, then okay, you better come correct with competitive nature but if you're trying to do the fun stuff like oh here's just my you know mono white cat deck because here's cats don't expect to get to mythic with that um because everyone already kind of knows what they're in for if we're going to climb the ladder if we're going to get to tournaments we've got to be on top of our game and sometimes things do coalesce under a few decks a few archetypes but it still comes down to you knowing the deck piloting the deck knowing your outs in the deck so it's not just a copy and paste you still have to pilot it
1: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true, and I I mean, I do think that, yeah, so, I I mean, I I think that anybody can, I think you can hit, you absolutely could hit Mythic with, you know, a brew, with cats, with whatever. I think it's possible, it's definitely possible, anything is possible, (laughs) but if you want to give yourself the best advantages to doing it, you know, to, to being successful in the ladder, or, you know, what have you, you know, you... You take it from the pros like they're the ones who have, who have made careers out of this stuff right they're making money
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: And if that's your goal then you need to you know you, you need to you know take a take a take a hit and, and just run with it and just do the you know do the net deck thing the do the grab grab a list from people who have played and tested and mm-hmm. thought about all of the all the intricacies all the potential tech options and like the you know they've thought about that stuff they've tested that stuff so
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's no shame in it
0: yeah, that's a good tip then. Uh, use the tools at your disposal. Uh-huh. We've got a bunch of topics to talk about today because there were reveals. Uh, Wizards of the Coast did a pretty amazing uh, presentation with Jimmy Wong and Becca Scott where they were adventurers in the world of Zendikar, I guess. And they were telling us about the brand new Zendikar Rising set. So general thoughts on the presentation of, uh, of the new stuff.
1: So, I mean, i I love the amount of effort that Wizards puts into kind of into their reveals, like with um, example, like with Ikoria like doing the comic book like uh, art gallery um, mm-hmm. type thing, like all of that is really, really cool. I think that they always do a really great job with that. Um, I also think that the way that they presented some of the cards this time around was also really good. I think it was um, it was interesting. They talked about a lot of the, great with all the mechanics uh involved in in the set like and yeah they they and they also held on to a couple of really cool cards to talk about um that were you know uh fan favorites uh i i would expect kind of in the in the past so like it's very cool to see a lot of that come come around
0: I liked that they kind of tossed it to different people throughout the presentation. Um, there was Jimmy and Becca kind of going through the adventure aspect of things, and they dialed into different people. I think there was Matt Turian there. Um, there was Maurice. Um, there, there were just a lot of people that were kind of popping in and out to kind of give their perspective of things. Yeah. Fun fact, Matt Tabak. Um, who popped out to show some of the mechanics. He's actually been a previous uh, guest of the podcast a few episodes ago. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I I recognize that voice. (laughs) What did you think about the new mechanics that we we got? Well, there were some returning mechanics and new mechanics. Uh, What do you think about either one?
1: So I am a fan of Landfall. I've always been a fan of Landfall. Um, I'm very much excited about that. Uh, I'm also really excited about the dual-faced mm-hmm. um, modal cards, so I think those are going to be very exciting as well to, to play with. Um, the thing that concerns me is the party mechanic. While it's currently, at least with the very limited knowledge that we have, it seems that it's a very strict application and where it can be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it feels kind of, it's like a toned down version of a bunch of other cards that do very similar things. So it will have to see exactly how it plays out. There is one particular deck that I'm kind of excited to try with the mechanic. Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely a unique mechanic and and very interesting for sure. Um, so there's one particular deck I'm I'm interested to try out with, the with Party. So we'll see how that, how that ends up uh, working out.
0: Okay, cool. I think we'll probably delve into maybe a little bit of that deck in just a little bit, but the, um... Okay, so the modal double-faced cards—it's—it's it's still fascinating to me that after twenty-seven years, Magic is still you know exploring in so many different spaces. The very first double-faced cards—those uh, were back in Innistrad, I, I believe, original Innistrad, yeah. right?
1: Yep, original Innistrad were the original double-faced cards, and those had those were not modal. And and yeah. for those who don't know what, exactly what modal means, is that um, generally a modal spell means that you have. Um, a choice to make as you're casting the spell it's part Mm -hmm. of the um, steps to casting a spell is choosing modes and so um, like for example if you're casting cryptic command or you're casting um, sublime epiphany and for in standard Mm -hmm. um, as you're casting the spell before it goes on the stack you pick which of the things on the um, card that it gives you the choices to pick you pick them before the spells cast so in this particular case with these double faced cards You're picking which side of the card you're you're casting actually not not anything on the card itself but it's more so which side which is kind of um, a cool way and a cool approach to it
0: yeah exactly that's the evolution of things in terms of those original double face cards i think there was a trigger there was a condition to be able to flip it like also there was the famous example of the uh uh, the double-faced cards of the uh, Planeswalkers in in Magic Origins. Well, here before, you, you get a choice. So, for example, one of the cards, Branch Loft Pathway. Uh, this is the whole cycle of brand new dual lands, and a dual land in a new way, in that you get to pick which of the colors you want before you cast it. So, on the one hand... It's a strictly worse dual land because of course, they hit it out of the park with alpha dual lands. but here right. you can um pick which one you need at the time that you need it. I, I don't need any more green mana sources, so instead I'll cast to the other side of it, which is the boulder boulder loft pathway. so I think that's a pretty interesting way to kind of deal with a uh, dual lands,
1: yeah, you said you said that are a strictly worse dual lands i i that they're strictly they're also strictly better basic lands as yeah. well so it's mm-hmm. it's interesting we i think like in in, the, in this next iteration i mean i can't imagine i can't think of a, of a reason at least right now okay i can think of one reason right now in in historic anyways but in standard i cannot think of a way or a reason that you're not just playing these over basic lands because they're just strictly better than basic lands in every way um i guess maybe they're not searchable by or are they even searchable or no they 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 just say lands
0: they they just yeah okay so they
1: don't have the basic land subtype i guess right so you can't search it Mm -hmm. with what um field of ruin uh you also can't search it with fabled passage i guess maybe that's maybe reason enough i suppose Mm -hmm. to play a few basics here and there but Mm -hmm. like in historic you have um settle the wreckage as well but i definitely expect that um these will I'm going to I'm going to hedge that these are going to probably take up and eat into the real estate that I mean the very little real estate that the scrylands already kind of occupy mm-hmm. um, cuz I think that these are just kind of a little at least at least in some decks anyways that the, these are just kind of a little bit better um than than the scrylands I think
0: yeah, they don't come in tapped, so they're ready to use as soon as you need them. They, you do commit to a certain color at a certain time. You don't get the scry, and then, I, though, I, I, I often hear people saying how scry can be very valuable at most, most times of the game. But, um, yeah, that coming in tapped, those scry lands coming in tapped, that's often a detriment. What do you think about the design, that they have, like, a little extra piece of graphic design on the bottom left corner where it says land, you know, land on the other side?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's good. Um, It's good, kind of a good indication. Uh, I think that it's because they they always have Mm -hmm. some kind of indicator of what's on the other side of the card. So, for example, with like Huntmaster of the Fells from the original Innistrad, um, they had the I believe they had the power and toughness of the other side of the card on. Um, on the bottom right or yeah kind of like right above the the power and toughness box Mm -hmm. Um, they had that power and but then they don't say kind of what the card is Um, so they always have kind of something like that so I think that that's good that there it shows kind of what's on the other side Um, it's it's just it's a very clean way instead of like saying what the name is it just makes it much easier to understand okay yeah this is a dual land the other side is this color so I know uh, my choices are, are a lot easier and you're not having to do a lot of um dexterity type things because Mm -hmm. if they put the name on there you'd have to be like you'd have to if you didn't remember what that specific land was called you'd have to like pull it out of your sleeve and look at it and it just is a whole mess so it's yeah it's good that they just put the mana symbol they say it's a land very very clean very easy i like it a lot
0: you might reveal too much information to the opponent if it also had a little bit too much information there. And a land is simple enough that it says, okay, what's on the other side is a land and it'll give you white mana. So uh, I think that's a good amount of information. I have a degree in graphic design and however, this is rubbing me the wrong way. I kind of feel like it's kind of tacked on to it even though it's clean enough, it's simple enough, it tells you what's there. I, I just kind of feel like it's getting slightly cluttered because we have also the extra icon on the top left. Uh, and I kind of cannot tell just yet, I'm not used to it the two sides of the of the icon on the top left where you have sort of like a sort of like a teardrop pointing to the left if it's the front side and a little triangle upwards, which I think is a mountain, I guess. and then on the other side of it, we have two types of triangles, I guess, so i I kind of think the iconography could be a little designed a little better like i know we've got the double face cards let's say in magic origins where there is that icon that is a little bit more emblematic and here it i guess these are little mountains or arrows or what do you think
1: yeah i i say so yeah, i was looking at that too and the only thing i can think of as far as why or kind of like what these symbols mean is like the one triangle is side one and the mm-hmm. two triangles is side two. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the only thing I can think of. I don't entirely, I'm not entirely sure why that specific design choice was made there, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I can definitely see, I can definitely, I can definitely agree with the kind of the clutter. The bottom left is a weird place. Traditionally, yeah. a lot of like information is put in the bottom right hand side of things. So I feel like, yeah, the bottom left is a little bit of an interesting place it's a weird place and the fact that also like the i i guess i i agree also that the like where it has like tap add white mana is a little close to the middle Mm. where the stamp is and it does get feel a little bit cluttered i think that if you put it on the other side it might look a little better
0: yeah like when we were talking about the power and toughness being on the bottom right in an innistrad card well we're kind of used to stuff being there and here now it's on the left side but I guess it's different information here it's a little bit more more information so I guess they thought well' we'll, we'll get people used to it on the left side yeah and I noticed that the back side of it has that sort of like alternate promo style of border uh, it's not like the if we look at the at the back side of uh, if we look at the backside of branch loft pathway if we look at the white side of it the boulder, loft pathway that white border is different than the classic white border or classic you know the 2015 style of border it's like that alternate promo style that i've seen once in a while here or is it like the future shifted style it's just slightly different i like it i like that it's kind of different that it's not the regular color it's like the backside color
1: yeah i think it's nice kind of just having the the slight differentiation it is a little I find it. I find it interesting, though, that at least for from from what I can see, I don't. I don't. At least with the site that I'm looking at, doesn't have all ten. On oh well, I guess it wouldn't. Would it ever actually ever be exactly ten? Because I'm looking on here. There's five, six. What am I missing here?
0: It, that's that's the thing, that it, it wasn't the full pair of things. That's one of Mark Rosewater's hints that it was, we're going to do six of these lands. And even though yeah. there could be the full 10 or 20 or whatever it was, they only put the first six as of the limited number of slots. So we are getting a little yeah. bit of dissonance in that it's not every single pair.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I also find it interesting that the six that they chose they they doubled up on red and blue yeah. as the face cards and not the other way around not using black on the fr- on the face of at least one of those two yeah um so that's kind of that's kind of interesting
0: I, yeah, I guess that's just the usual, that they just have so much stuff that they could do in a magic set, but then limited amount of space for it, and they stretch it out for for a time. Like uh, Again, with like Planeswalkers, they, uh, from what I understand, they had already planned for there to be four loyalty abilities on Planeswalkers, but they didn't do that until Jace, the Mind Sculptor, so they're, they're saving stuff for the future, I guess. Uh, From my point of view, it sounds like a gripe fest. No, these are amazing cards, but I'm just griping about the visuals. I think it's really weird that the colors that they chose to represent, for example, if you look at the white, the bottom left corner of the branch loft pathway says land white. That that background color is so extremely similar to the land add black of bright climb pathway. But then it is extremely obvious in the crag crown pathway that it's green on the other side and then i i just think that that the indicator of what's white and the indicator what's black is so similar the green one is very obvious too obvious and then the red one is more like pink than red are we am i nitpicking way too much should i just play magic and shut up it's it's
1: (laughs) really it's really weird shades yeah i would have probably preferred i mean i don't think that there's a uniform color per se that will allow you to have had it be exactly what you want Mm-hmm. Or, or like to, to be able to like show all of the colors in the text correctly mm-hmm. but yeah it's really it's really weird
0: maybe they just had it and well maybe it's they're trying to convey too much info they're trying to convey that okay you've got a land tap it to give the mana and the color behind it just because lands themselves have a color to the card even though they're a colorless card and i guess they're trying to show too much info i would have just loved it if it was just a simple white to contrast with whatever the rest of the face yeah. of the card is and it just said land tap to add red without an extra background to that
1: yeah i mean I, like for what it's worth like I, saw, I think like the the river glide pathway like the red on that looks very good i think that looks really good and then the mm-hmm. the the uh, crag grown or crag crown pathway the green on that looks really really good Mm-hmm. But the blue on the other side of Riverglide Pathway is kind of like this really light, almost not existent. Yeah, kind of blue. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like way, way, way too too light. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very odd color palette. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. But all of that graphic design aside, I think these cards are gonna be great. I think these cards are gonna be sought after and definitely used in standard and probably a bunch of other formats. Right.
1: Oh yeah, I imagine. I mean, for these are these are basic lands that are different names. So for any hmm. format where you're playing field of the dead, like this is <laughs> absolutely what you want. Um you, these are going to be obviously staples in commander. Um I, I expect because again, they they just kind of occupy a different land land space and for hmm. anybody who's playing anybody who's in my opinion anyways, anybody playing more than I would even even Monocolor, frankly, could probably do it. But anybody playing more than two colors should probably also just include Field of the Dead in their deck because just mm-hmm. the versatility that you get of just different lands, um, you will you will get there on Field of the Dead far more often than than it will be a burden to mm-hmm. you. Um, so just having some of these additional cards in here to kind of help you um, contribute towards your you know unique land count for seven, um, I think is worth it. So
0: yeah. Well, one more thought here on the double-faced um, not only do we get lands that can either be of one color or another, we get some uncommon lands that come into play tapped, and if you don't need a tapped land, instead it might be a creature or sorcery or an instance so the one I'm looking at is a Coombe Warrior on the one hand it is either a uh, six mana four five with trample or if you don't quite have enough mana for it you can play it as the akum teeth which is a land that comes into play tapped and it gives you one red mana so again it's they're kind of exploring this new space double face, modal double face cards and they're showing some possibilities in one either land on one side land on the other or land on one side and something else on the other
1: yeah, I think I think this is also a really great design. I think this is something it solves a lot of the issues. It solves some issues that magic has had in like, you know, the the mana screw, mana flood mm-hmm. type thing. Um the the only thing that will you know, is the only thing that really is going to matter here is just how good the spells are on on them. Mm-hmm. Um well that'll de- just determine how big of a success or failure this these modal double face cards are the one that they showed on the preview stream which was Valakut's awakening a two red two in a red for an instant put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library then draw that many plus one i mean that's a i think that's a very reasonable very reasonable card um to 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 have you're probably going to be playing this in probably honestly in red when you start to like when you start to flood out in like the mid game Mm -hmm. having one of these things to go you know to just shuffle away or or to, to tuck all of your you know, maybe your mediocre one drop and your land and draw three, yeah. for three mana seems really good to me. Um, So, like, if if the a bunch of the other spells are on par with Valka's Awakening as far as, like, power level or usefulness, then this will be a success of a, of a mechanic. I think it's a good idea. They just need to deliver on the quality of the spells.
0: Yeah, I like that mechanic in red. Um, does it have a name or a nickname? Because I know we've got, for example, Impulse, impulse Draw as uh, one of red's mechanics where... Draw some cards, but if you don't use them in time, they're gone. Does this uh, have have a mechanic? Because we often name these based on the first version of the card. Like uh, if you mill something, it came from millstone and so forth.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't think so. As far as I know, because like what rummages, is, rummages is draw one, discard one, as an example, mm-hmm. or loot is draw yeah. draw two, discard two, or something. Right. Like so. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that there's a, a particular name for this yet. Mm-hmm. Um it was on a chandra planeswalker at hmm. one point hmm. um i think it was either I don't, it wasn't torch of defiance it was chandra um it was the one from battle for zendikar hmm. yeah it was on it was chandra flame caller zero just call it all calls all cards in your hand then draw that many plus one hmm. so i i don't know what you'd call that but that's where yeah. that's where it came from i don't know if we could figure out an interesting name for that <laughs> yeah
0: Okay, well, double face cards are back with a brand new mode uh, with a brand new concept to them. Cool. Any final thoughts on that before we cover a couple more things?
1: I think it's very. I think it's a very interesting uh, mechanic to bring into this set, um, and and the way they're going about it is great. I think that they they kind of they did a very good job with the the design on this.
0: Okay, then let's uh, delve a little bit deeper into Party. Well, this seems to tie into uh, another concept and another synergy that they're doing with D&D. After all, Dungeons & Dragons and Magic are all part of the same company at the moment. And uh, now we have Party, which does require uh, a certain condition, and the more of that condition you meet, the the better results you have.
1: So Party requires that you control a creature that is a wizard, a rogue, a warrior, and a cleric it's up to one of each so in in all reality the most you could benefit from any given party spell is four of whatever it is so for example mm-hmm. the um uh was acquisitions expert which is kind of like a kite seal freebooter um it, it enters the battlefield and your opponent reveals cards equal to the number of creatures in your party um and then you get to pick one and, and discard it. So while there's some upside of it being you get to discard any card that they yeah. reveal, you have to be able to get you can you could get anywhere between you'll get at least one. You'll always have at least one, mm-hmm. but you may get up you know, one, two, three, or four. But you never get more than four because it's up to one of each of those creature types.
0: Yeah, I think the nuance of these things, especially for for beginner players, because they might think, oh, I have three rogues at the moment, so I'm going to be able to do it three times. Uh, but no, it is going to be up to one of each of these, and only these. That's what a party is defined at the moment. Um, I suppose there could be like more room for growing this space in the future, um, like that this cares about a certain number of things, but I think it's kind of elegant that we, that we use the word party and it's the classic type of party of the cleric, rogue, warrior, wizard and like you said it's guaranteed at least one which is probably the card that you're playing and the more of the party that you have the more that you get and i did that did stand out for me in the acquisition expert that it could include lands it didn't say the usual non land card
1: yeah i mean and that and that's usually those like unconditional draw or discards any any unconditional uh, interaction effect is usually very very powerful counterspell being able to counter anything mm-hmm. um this for an example being able to discard anything um any par- part- particular piece of removal like like a vindicate that can destroy anything um so like those those are generally always going to be very good so i do expect that like something like acquisitions expert might see some amount of play um it just it depends it depends on where um and this is actually the the deck the deck that i thought about immediately upon seeing this mechanic was winota mm-hmm. um so winota there are a lot of um you're probably going to be using like the wizards and the clerics to trigger winota's ability in combat to then get your human rogues and warriors into play mm-hmm. to then trigger bigger party effects so i think i think that that's a kind of a natural home but the only problem is going to be kind of figuring out what the colors are going to be um because there i could see a world where it's just guy i could i could see a world where it's naya i could see a world where it's mardu four color five it could be anything mm-hmm. honestly there's a lot mm-hmm. of cards that are coming in this set that are fitting into those archetypes because it's one of the main themes of the set right so
0: yeah they uh there so far we've what we've got revealed as of this recording, we've got some interesting party types of cards uh that kind of run the gamut, like if we look at over at the spoils of adventure. So six mana in total. This is one white, one blue, plus four more. Instant. This spell costs one generic mana less to cast for each creature in your party. So this could be decreased all the way down to simply two. Uh, one white and one blue, and what you get out of that is you gain three life and draw three cards. So some card draw and life gain in Azorius, and even cheaper if you've got the party going on.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, and that's something where, you know, in a in a Winota deck, kind of one of the things that's really hard for that deck to to um, to live with is that fact that it just doesn't have very good draw. And so, like, mm-hmm. doing something with party where. You know, you have some of these creatures you want to be playing anyways to help you trigger your Winota. And then also you're getting some benefit of being able to reduce this draw spell, gain a little bit of life out of it. I think it's pretty good. Um, Pretty interesting synergy.
0: I like the art on that a lot. It's like it's literally all of the members of the party and they're all kind of having fun together and laughing and they're enjoying the spoils of adventure.
1: Yeah, this is a really good one. Um, The one actually that I think my favorite, one of my favorite arts that's been kind of spoiled th- thus far in this is uh actually the Linvala. Mm. Linvala's Shield of the Sea or Shield of the Sea Gate. Um really really cool looking art. But Linvala's kind of fits in this like deck that almost like this death and taxes kind of style deck mm. um or in like a flyers um deck as well. So like one one white blue for a two a three, three flyer at the beginning of combat on your turn if you have a full party you can choose target non-land permanent opponent controls until your next turn, it cannot attack, block, or if it has activated abilities, it mm-hmm. can't activate them. And then you can sacrifice Limbala to give your your creatures hexproof or indestructible. Yeah. So this is definitely one of those. This is a card that fits that I feel very very cleanly fits into like that Winota style deck where being able to give your creatures um, give your creatures uh, hexproof or indestructible is a very relevant mm-hmm. um, ability. And then also you might be able to, um, if you maybe get either get a second attack in or you just happen to have a bunch of, you know, a full party in play, by the time it goes off, you get to, you know, set up a a, a clean block um, for yourself so you don't have to worry about your opponent blocking things you don't want them to. Um, Like, I think this is a card that fits, like, very, very cleanly um, in Winota.
0: I think what's also very powerful Linvala is that that uh, second uh, that activated ability has no tap and has no mana cost, so you're able to use that right away.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's super super powerful. Yeah, definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of got really cool flavor to it, also in that she sacrifices herself to for the greater good. Uh, that I think that is a very white uh, bit of flavor in there. I think it's a little less Azorius perhaps, but uh, I, I like that. And the art is really fun. Uh, in terms of, there's like a little seagull uh, up there cawing as well and flying with Linvala.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also like that that they have, um, like, Linvala has always had usually has always had really cool art. Mm-hmm.
0: I I am not fully familiar with the character, although the name sounded familiar. Where else has the character come out on?
1: So Linvala was a card that. Um, so Linvala, keeper of secrets. I believe. Linvala, keeper of silence. I'm sorry. Um, she is a card that was in the original um, original Zendikar, and for her, Limvala Keeper of Silence is a 4-mana, 3-4 flyer, activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated, since mm-hmm. that was put into Jumpstart, um, so that's on Arena. Um, uh-huh. The other Limvala, Limvala the Preserver, was a Limvala that was in Oath of the Gatewatch. It was a 6 mana 5-5 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, if an opponent has more life than you, you gain 5. And when it enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more creatures than you, you make a 3-3 white angel creature token with flying. So it was kind of like a a timely reinforcements Hmm. stapled to a 5-5 flyer. Was was definitely played back in its day um, in standard. Um, but yeah, that's. The, I think those are the only places where Linvala has come up. Aside, those are the three places.
0: No, oh, okay. That's why I'm. I kind of had it on my mind because it, if it was in Jumpstart, I'm sure I have seen it then. So her yeah. abilities overall of being kind of very, uh, you know, locking down the opponent, they seem to be consistent. And it's interesting though, from what you said, it was a three-three angel. Aren't angels always four-fours?
1: Yeah, usually they, they're they're four-fours. Yeah, but this one mm-hmm. this one was a three-three.
0: Uh, she hadn't fully earned her wings. Yeah, I guess not. So we'll see what more party cards that we get. And though we're already seeing a little bit of variation in the two we just talked about in terms of Spoils of Adventure and Linvala's Shield of Seagate, where Spoils and uh, Acquisitions Expert both mentioned creatures in your party. And then Linvala mentioned slightly different terminology if you have a full party. So even though it's the term party, they're using it full party versus the other spells. So... Uh, what do you think about the complexity that we've been seeing in Magic in general? Like, for example, Ikoria was one of the most complex sets that has been out recently.
1: I like it personally, just because for for me, um, and this is this might be a little bit selfish, but for mm. me as a as a player who's played for ten years um, and who also like does game design and who, um, you know, who who casts stuff and makes content around stuff like the there i i love seeing something that i love that has been around for so long still have new iterations and new takes on it that um that just really kind of just bring a different level of of strategy to the game i i love strategy as a whole and like having these complex um you know these some of these complex mechanics lend itself to having deeper strategy um, like I played starcraft for so long uh, for mm-hmm. a long time, so like that's one of the things that I like just having just a lot going on, um you know something very complex, very nuanced to really make it work correctly
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I think I love it I think they walk the tight rope pretty well in terms of there's a little bit for everyone. there are the plain old two twos for two and then you've got the two two, but then it's also part of a party, so the full range of complexity for us more entrenched players and then there's the little bit more basic stuff for the uh for the newer players so kudos kudos to them for trying to balance all of that
1: yeah i mean it definitely is very it's definitely something that you have to keep in mind when you're designing a set or a game is that man it 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 does take a it, it takes a lot to balance a game correctly and not just in terms of the cards in of themselves but like balancing the cards in the way that your audience can you know, be able to pick it up and play with it with, you know, very little either upkeep or knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 one of the, the reasons why Magic has been so successful.
0: Yeah. One of the reasons for the success is not only do they invent new things, but they go back to fan favorites and such. So let's look at a couple of things that are returning in Zendikar Rising. We've got Kicker. Any general thoughts on Kicker or new Kicker things we've seen here in the new set?
1: Yeah, I mean, Kicker's great um it's a mechanic where i i I enjoy i enjoy it as a mechanic it's not like it's not one of my favorites i'm kind of like i'm fairly i guess i'm fairly neutral on it it's Mm -hmm. not a mechanic that blows me away every time but it's i like it Mm -hmm. um but i think i i was hoping that we would see like multi-kicker in some Mm
0: -hmm. of these Mm -hmm.
1: but uh which i kind of like i think i kind of like multi-kicker a little bit more there's just a little bit um there's a little bit more nuance that can come with that, but mm-hmm. I think the kicker, it's it's fine. I mean, it, it'll there's some there's some pretty cool cards with kicker in the set.
0: Well, the I guess the uniqueness of kicker this time, at the very least that we've seen so far, is now we've got kicker on a planeswalker, so we can get Jace out. We can get Jace Mirror Mage out for three mana, or if we kick him, uh, for five we get a double dose of Jace.
1: Yeah, which is which is definitely very cool. Traditionally, kicker was on creatures or instants or sorceries um but yeah never really on a planeswalker and i think that this is a really good way to to implement it Mm -hmm. um yeah i I definitely think that they 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 nailed it with this card i think uh the design is really is really really cool
0: yeah so i was reading people's commentary about you you want to kick chase Mage usually because then you can use the 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 token copy that you made to do the plus one scry two, and then once you set up what you like there, then you do the zero from your main Jace, your big Jace, and uh, you've got uh, synergy there to really control what's coming next in your your draws for the price of five uh, in that planeswalker, and that it also kind of broke out of the mold that planeswalkers kind of fall into a little too easily of plus one, uh, draw a card, uh, minus two, destroy a thing, minus whatever, win the game.
1: Right? Yeah, I mean it is. It do, it did feel like that was kind of the the templating for a while, and it's really like again with the rest of with a lot of the cards and a lot of the mechanics and themes in the set. It's very cool to see uh, them break out of the mold and break out of the shell of kind of what has been the status quo for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um and just really put some interesting spins on some of these cards. And also one thing that they did with with Jace Mirror Mage is that they made a card that is um for well for one, he's hard to evaluate kind of at face value. But expect that he's gonna be strong, but he's not gonna be ridiculous. Like Mm -hmm. they brought the power level back a bit. They scaled it back to where Things feel a little bit more reasonable to um, be able to play against. I mean, at three mana, he's going to come down early, and a lot of people ha- are still a little bit worried about three mana-costed planeswalkers from three fairy. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he doesn't really do a whole ton that's super detrimental to your opponent, um, you know, as far as like interaction goes, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely a a nice welcome thing. And the other thing I guess with also this to think about is that you know you you if you if you kick chase miramage you also need to be ready for removal to come and hit the non uh mirrored non, non-token jace because mm-hmm. it is still sorcery speed right so still have to, to think about that so there it, it's balanced in that way mm-hmm.
0: we'll see how well this uh this planeswalker does with this new paradigm um we have uh, so far revealed Nahiri, Heir of ancients, uh, heir of the Ancients. So she is a four mana in uh, Boros Colors. And we get four loyalty plus one. You create a creature. So you have a little bit of defense for your Planeswalker where Jace doesn't really have any defense. You've got to defend them other ways. Uh, so you get a core. And you also get to attach an equipment. And it looks like we're starting to see more equipment being added uh, to Zendikar because a lot of stuff is going to rotate out. Uh, when we come into uh, Zendikar Rising, and I guess one of the big equipments is going to be Embercleave. Uh, so do you think equipment is going to start to play more of a role in the next future standard?
1: So the only way, or one of the ways that I foresee um, equipment being really, really solid um, is if we have something akin to, like, a steel Paladin or a Sram... Um, uh, the i forget what the full name of the card is Basram mm-hmm. where either it's like reducing the amount of uh, uh the amount of equip cost on equipment or letting you draw cards mm-hmm. um you know when you when you cast equipment spells um because the problem is that that equipment has is that if you're playing a bunch of equipment in your deck um and i'm going to say this is from the com- from a competitive deck building standpoint mm-hmm. um, if you're playing a bunch of equipment in your deck those are not threats and those are not removal right Mm -hmm. they're not ways that you're specifically inherently winning the game them by themselves don't do anything Mm ember cleave is one of the exceptions because generally it's the only equipment that you're playing in the deck and Mm -hmm. it's incredibly powerful um so even if it sits on the battlefield and you're generally also playing in a deck with hasters and so you can just get Mm -hmm. it get it back online very quickly um so you know the the and then i guess also to intent, intent as well the equipment needs to also be good mm. um so there's a lot of things kind of going around with this i think that is going to be a very interesting um casual archetype for sure mm. uh, but unless they print some like busted busted um equipment like mm. for example if they were to put batter skull in the set for some reason <laughs> um pro- i mean and even then i don't think that even if they put Batterskull in the set, I don't think it's going to be quite enough to make it um, as good. And and usually like the artifact or the equipment decks that we see are like ones in Modern um, where you have Sram and you have um, steel Paladin and you have a bunch of zero cost or low one mana cost zero equip cost um, uh, artifacts or equipment mm-hmm. so that you can essentially just they're, they're effectively free cantrips where you are casting a uh, paradise mantle and drawing a card from Saram and pierce Paladin, paladin. Um, and then you get to equip it for free onto something and then you use it for mana to cast your next one. Right. So like those decks kind of have a lot of synergy going for itself, but that's because the equipment that is in the deck is cheap and it's cheap equip cost and it can go off by continually feeling with things like Sram and pierce paladin. Right. So that's what we need.
0: Mm hmm yeah definitely it's more of a of a casual sort of thing uh although it's it's kind of fun when you equip uh when you finally equip the colossus hammer onto that one one life link cant
1: yeah is was colossus is colossus hammer wasn't that in a standard set at one point right
0: uh yeah it came out maybe in like core core twenty or something it was i think it was in one of the core sets so
1: yeah it might that might be something interesting to to look at for um, uh, for historic actually yeah. um yeah, that's, that's entirely possible. That could be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, this is uh, going to open up a whole range of uh, new possibilities in Historic. We get Zendikar Rising to do a lot of rotation in Standard, but we still have Historic, so I'm glad that we do have that other mode, that sort of uh, Arena Eternal sort of mode in Historic, where we can still play with the old stuff and with the new, the new stuff, such as the return of Landfall. So uh, Ruin Crab is one... Uh, that's a pretty straightforward. You have a single blue mana for a crab. It's a zero three, 3 And then landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills three cards. So isn't this a callback to that one, maybe, like, Hedron Crab or something? Didn't Wasn't yep. there one that did something like that too?
1: Yep, Hedron Crab was a... I forget the stat line of it, but effect- effectively it was a uh, one mana, zero, whatever, that when a, land, a landfall, your opponent mills four uh, or I think it might have been it was target player. It's target player mills for, not each opponent. Target, so there's a little yeah. bit of a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um because Hegron Crab is used in dredge in modern mm-hmm. sometimes so that you could mill your stuff into the graveyard so you could dredge. Mm-hmm. This one only is meant to mill your opponent, mm-hmm. which there's uh with there are there was a mill theme in Jumpstart. Mm-hmm. And then there was some cards that were that are generally pretty good, like Drowned Secrets. And yeah. um, there was kind of like this weird blue mill deck, blue-white mill deck floating around for a little while. Um, and then you also have like Teferi's Tutelage and, and things like that. So I think that yeah. there is a, with um, with this crab, I mean, that that's kind of the one thing you need, was like this little this little body to kind of block a little bit some in the early game. And also it rewards you for playing lands. So I think, yeah, I think that this is going to be definitely a contender to put mill... A little bit more back into favor. It'll be interesting to see how good it's gonna be. I'm definitely gonna try it out considering that it's not too terribly it's it, it, I think it's always an uncommon or a common yeah, uncommon. so it should be Yeah, so like it's pretty pretty easy, you know, cheap to make. Um so yeah, definitely definitely interested in trying that out.
0: I do definitely see the ebb and flow of the mill decks. I do remember the drowned, drowned in secrets and all of that. And they did add uh what was his name? Uh the the Bru- not Buddhaclad Bruvac. Bruvac, yeah, uh, the Vendiliquist, or some really interesting name. So, I do see yeah. the the ebb and flow of mill, and and that one kind of also seems like a, a bit of a of a of a casual sort of deck. Which, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you are not unless you've got like turbo mill going on and such. You're not quite affecting the opponent while they're running over you while you're trying to mill them out.
1: Yeah, the 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 one mill deck that has been, I think I think traditionally has been very good has been modern mill because but that's only because you get things like um like mind funeral and glimpse the unthinkable Mm -hmm. where those are those are milling more than they're milling more than four cards a turn Mm -hmm. or even per spell like glimpse is milling 10 cards like that's a lot that's a lot Mm -hmm. um you know so um those have generally been always good and the reason why uh, another thing too that they have as well that makes it very hard for the opponents to win is that they have a card um, called Crypt Incursion, which is it ex- you can I think it's, you can exile any number target, any number of target creatures from your great uh, from graveyards or your graveyard. Um, I think it might be from graveyards, mm-hmm. and then you gain three life for each creature exiled mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. So you would you would mill over forty cards out of your deck or out of your opponent's deck. And then you'd crypt incursion and you'd go up to like 60 life and your opponent couldn't kill you before they decked out, right? So Mm -hmm. they, that, that, what we, us for historic and even for, for historic mostly, I'm going to say it's, um, you're, you're having to win off of strictly off the mill plan, um, yeah, you're willing. We're really having to win strictly off the mill plan, so it's gonna be it'll be interesting, like I said, to see. But I think having this this more consistent source of mill that just kind of rewards you for making your land drops, I think, is gonna be a, a nice boost to it for sure.
0: So it seems that we got landfall in every one of the Zendikar sets, and one favorite uh, of all of that was Lotus Cobra. So Lotus Cobra is back. Thoughts?
1: Oh man. I am so excited for this. (laughs) I am so excited. I I have been playing ramp decks pretty much uh, like over the last like three to four months. It's just been pretty much exclusively climbing on ladder with with ramp and some some form of ramp Mm -hmm. Um, and having Lotus Cobra back in the format uh, is going to be super, super exciting. It's going to keep that power level of uh of the ramp decks up quite a bit with things we still have uro in the format like mm-hmm. <laughs> we have uro in the format we have the new um so, uh the new golgari nissa yeah. that's coming that cares about lands and um lands uh and whatnot right like mm-hmm. there's what is uh yeah it, it gets it gets loyalty when it lands enter the battlefield yeah. like that's insane it's insane salt ramp is already a strong uh, yeah. a, a really strong if not the top deck and standard right now uh it's going to just it's going to get out of hand um and i'm gonna call it, i mean a lot of people have already been calling it that uro is getting the axe yeah very quickly
0: that is such a powerful card you get uh, eventually when you cast it you get a 6-6 sure but in the beginning you get that ramp you get that life and then every time it attacks you get, you get more of the same and you can easily ramp into it uh, in, uh, in in Simic and, and all of that so it does feel like these, these colors are a little bit over the top now um, you, you were playing uh, with the uh, original Lotus Cobra when it first came out
1: yeah, I, I played with the original Lotus Cobra. Um, it was back... So it, it came out in the original Zendikar. And if I... Rec- it's been it's been about... Oh, boy. It's probably been about nine years since I've played this deck. Um, but hmm. there was a deck back in the day called Valakut, which Valakut the Molten Pinnacle was a land in original Zendikar, um, where if you controlled... If it was in play and you controlled five or more mountains whenever a mountain entered play uh you got to lightning bolt something mm-hmm. so the point of the deck was just to play a lot of ramp and try to ramp into primeval titan as fast as you could yeah. um, so that you could get your Valakuta going you could get all of your mountains out of your deck when you attacked with it and then you just lightning bolt your opponent to death um multiple yeah like multiple times and it wasn't a legendary land either so you could have multiple valakuts in play and you could you know if you had all four in play every mountain was a you know a 12 point life swing yeah um which was which is huge so we played lotus cobra i think in the earlier iterations of the deck to um you know like to get to help us get into colony hard expedition into primeval titan um and just to help us get there just a little bit quicker
0: it definitely lives up to its namesake whenever you put Lotus on just about any card. It's always kind of harkened back to Black Lotus, and it's going to be crazy and full of, uh, full of mana. So uh, this little 2-1 Snake uh, with the power of Landfall is just going to be ramping you even uh, even faster than ever.
1: Yeah, and I, I even expect that it's going to have pretty big implications in Historic as well, too. Because, again, like I'll, I'll say this before I get to Historic. First Standard it's very possible that this Lotus Cobra is our Lotus Cobra is kind of like our growth spiral replacement. Now that mm-hmm. that's not in the format mm-hmm. um, or that, since that won't be in the format, I mean, it was bad, but it won't be in the format when Zenikar releases anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like our growth spiral re- replacement and um, it, it's like thinking about what that can do. If you, if it comes out on turn two, on turn three, you play a land and you have four mana and hey look you can you can play i don't know whatever you're playing at four mana you could play you mm-hmm. know four uh four fairy you could play the new nissa you could play a you know mm-hmm. you could play an uro and then have potentially another four mana to do or sorry you'd have another and trigger. then you would yeah you have uro you have the, the one mana from the first landfall trigger. Then you put a land into play, and you get the landfall trigger from that, and the land is untapped. Uh, So you have another three mana to do whatever you want with. You could play another Uro. You could play a Cultivate. You could do whatever. Like The ramp is going to be out of control. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of out of control and landfall, uh, let's look at Omnath, Locus of Creation. So it's a four mana. Uh, It's a four mana Omnath. We just need, uh, finally, to get a little black mana in there to be complete. And so he's a 4-4, four, four, or it's a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, when Omnath, Locus of Creation, enters the battlefield, draw a card. Okay, so we're, we have those extra... We, we've got that uh, extra card draw that we've been getting a lot recently in, in these colors. And then Landfall. This is, like, really interesting, this new turbo Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain 4 life. If this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, add... Uh, red, green, white, and blue. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. So thoughts?
1: There's a lot going on here. There is a lot going on here. Um, I think that the 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 hardest part about Omnath is casting him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think. Um, but the rest of it is. All gravy, right? Like, yeah. drawing a card. Maybe, actually, Richard said this. Maybe the hardest part is resolving him because you could probably cast him pretty easily. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Lotus Cobra into Omnath, and then you just get to go off with, like, turn, on the next turn, Landford turn, cultivate, get all three triggers. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's insane. Yeah. That's insane.
0: Or if you're using uh, even, like, uh, Grow from the Ashes in Historic, too, kicked.
1: Oh yeah, there's like there's there's tons of t- tons of ways that this is just getting out of hand.
0: The green hour, hour of whatever. Grab two more lands there Our, as well. Promise, yeah. yeah, but it's just really interesting that the template of it, like, okay, here's a, your first land trigger, you get this stuff. Then your second land trigger, if you can do it the same turn, and it says this turn, so it, it's landfall, isn't it? Doesn't it also count landfall on your opponent's turn if they worded it that way? This time, this turn.
1: Yep, correct. Yeah, so yeah, so I'll say that the templating very unique. I don't think it's ever been done before quite like this. Um where there's, you know, like the steps of of the number of times that this um ability resolves. Like that hasn't really been done before. But the you are correct. Yeah, if if say for example, if you're able to get three lands into play on your opponent's turn or one or two lands into play, like those abilities will those landfall abilities will trigger. Yeah. I believe. I, hold on, let me. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just when a land enters the battlefield under your control. I don't think that there's any.
0: No, it is. Yeah, it, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, so it's not just. Yeah, it's there's not, no there's no
1: yeah. stipulation.
0: Mm-hmm. So which one are you going to get the uh, the full art one or the regular art one?
1: I really love the full art one. Yeah. I really really love the full art one. I think it's really cool.
0: Yeah, the colors on on the on the character look cool, but look at that border as well. That's that's something new to to Marvel Ant.
1: Yeah, the the um like their showcase border. Yeah. They've been doing really really good with the showcase art. Mm-hmm. Like they've nailed it every single time um that they've done it. And yeah, this is just another, you know, another great uh piece of art in the portfolio of the designers of these borders yeah because yeah they, they did a really really nice job i think it looks really really cool mm-hmm. like you can see like kind of there's like the hedron sort of shape to the picture because yeah. it like, extends into the card text like i think that looks really really nice
0: mm-hmm. yeah i can't wait to see this in real life and uh, they've also started to do new oil new treatments and foils yeah new like spot varnish and whatever, and uh, can't wait to see those. We we've, we've been seeing a few videos here and there, but obviously it's not as good as looking at it in real life. Yeah. Well, those are those are the mechanics of uh, Zendikar Rising. General thoughts on any of those that we talked about, or any other card that stands out? Before we talk about a couple of other things.
1: You know nothing. I mean, there's so there there are spoilers coming out every single day, so there's a lot to kind of keep up with at this point in time yeah um if you looked on the on their um on like where to find where to find uh zendikar rising spoilers um page like each day has you know between 10 and 15 people um on it right so like there's a lot coming out that and 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 it's not to say that each person only gets one card some people get like four cards like mm. example day nine got a whole party to to reveal mm. on um or yesterday right so like there's a lot to unpack here, but generally I'm, I'm very, very excited for the set. Um, Zendikar again, Zendikar has a very, uh, nostalgic feel for me. It has, it's, it's mm-hmm. one of the, you know, where I started playing magic and it, it has a very special place in my heart. So I love it every single time that it comes around and having it be, I kind of, since I came in at the tail tail end of the original Zendikar, I never really kind of knew Zendikar without Aldrazi. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first two, you know, Zendikar and Worldwake, didn't have the Titans. It was in Rise of the Eldrazi where the the big, you know, mm-hmm. the big Eldrazi Titans came in. So I never really knew Zendikar without Eldrazi. So I'm very excited to go back to it without the. You know the the, the looming uh, yeah. danger of the Eldrazi coming in. The
0: original concept of it was simply Adventure World, and then it eventually came yeah. into the Eldrazi aspect of things. So, yeah, I never played either of the two uh, Eldrazi uh, of the. I never played either of the two Zendikar blocks. So I'm I'm kind of seeing it here, but I know, of course, that all of these uh, Eldrazi are out there. So we're kind of experiencing it in terms of new and nostalgia. And I think that happens to everyone in terms of whenever they start playing magic, that's the nostalgia set, no matter how it was. Because when I, when I first played back in the nineties, you know, fallen empires was one of those early sets. And nowadays that's, commonly regarded as one of the worst sets ever but when i look at that old art car those old art and some of those creatures they're like yeah that was magic back in my day and then when i left magic for a long time and came back in 2017 well the first set that released when i came back the full the first full block was ixalan block and i kind of have a little nostalgia for ixalan even though it wasn't that long ago but i remember the carnage tyrant and poly raptor oh, yeah. and the immortal Sun. so everyone gets nostalgia whenever they play
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: yeah. Well, speaking of nostalgia, um, Fetchlands are back as Expeditions.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that they're bringing... I, I, I'm I'm happy they're bringing him back, um, <laughs> that they're putting him in this, in this way. Um, I don't... I can't say that I don't necessarily agree with how they've changed how Expeditions work. Um, because before in the original Zendikar, um, and they didn't do expeditions in excellent blocks. This was, yeah. um, but the way that, so they, they did expeditions or like the masterpiece series, um, and the battle for Zendikar block Kaladesh and Amonkhet blocks. Um, and the way that they did them was that they were just cards that could show up in a regular pack. They were only foil. Yeah. Um, they were special art. They could have been anything, but they showed up in a regular booster pack. Now with the introduction of box toppers, collector's boosters, set boosters, mm-hmm. they've changed up how this works. And so now you get you guaranteed get one of these masterpiece expedition arts uh, cards in when you buy a box. No guarantees it's a fetch land. It could be you know, it could be bountiful promenade for all for all you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be a fetch land. So you get one there. You get one if you buy a set booster box, and then you get two if you buy uh, a collector's booster, and then you can get the foil versions in the collector's boosters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's it. There's no other ways to get get a hold of these, uh, which kind of stinks because it's, you know, I I guess actually I should say, it stinks for a little while. Um, there's yeah. another set. That they're releasing next year. There's mm-hmm. going to have more fetch lands in it, which is very exciting, and I think that's going to help bring the prices down dramatically uh, on on the enemy fetch lands. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what it's worth, I love love the art yeah. and the border that they did for all of these.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree on all points there. I wish they were a little bit more accessible. Yeah, you're going to get something if you buy a box, but. It's it's out of a possible thirty, and so there are other possible uh, special lands that you get there. But on the positive note, yes, the this the art of these are amazing. Like I'm looking at Bloodstained Mire, and I love that, like the red tones, the purple tones. It's that's amazing. Plus these borders with the little hedrons and the little splashes of the color moving throughout the border. And again, in real life, and in foil, in the new treatment and such, I'm sure these are amazing.
1: Oh yeah, I bet I bet these are going to be great. And 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 for what it's worth. A lot of these cards, a lot of the lands in here are generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um generally like for as an example, um the, I think the only like quote unquote duds yeah. in this are are the, the Battle battlebond lands and they're not even that big of duds. Like those are those are I think like between 7 and 12 dollars or probably something like that. Mm-hmm. Um luxury luxury suite sea of clouds bountiful promenades Spire garden and morphic pool. Um those are the original battlebond lands, but the rest of them are really really good. Um you know, Valakut, mm. You get all the all the fetch lands for Speaking one. Speaking of Valakut. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, they brought they they put Valakut in here, which is I think was really cool. And I love the art on it too, but Yeah. Like all the fetch lands in there, you get the uh the original fast lands from Scars of Mirrodin, uh, which are like the uh sea Cone Coast and uh Gorge, Razor Verge Thicket. Uh I forget the other two, the blue-black one and um the black-red one. But you get those mm. five, which are generally pretty expensive. Um I think they're they're like at least $20, if not more. Uh you get all the fetch lands, you get colonnade uh celestial colonnade and uh creeping tar pit grove of the burn willows horizon canopy strip mine wasteland <laughs> ancient tomb cavern of souls prismatic vista like there's there's all there's there isn't a bad hit really in any of those 30 but you really really want the fetch land.
0: yeah there's a little bit of everything for everyone here if you're a little bit more in the um in the high power range of things, and strip mine, um, that's, a, that's definitely a, a, a classic one. Uh, back uh, when I was playing in the 90s, so I have um, a fourth edition uh, strip mine, or three or four, I guess. But uh, here's a brand new art on that, and oh, I just noticed there's like a little guy, a little core guy, I guess, running out of the, running out of the ruined earth of the strip mine. I didn't notice that until I looked at it carefully. Um, Prismatic Vista is being uh, reprinted for the first time and it was just invented recently in um, Modern Horizon 1 so it's like the fetch land for a basic land so that's kind of like the full cycle there but yeah 30 cards in these box toppers to um, drive down the prices of things the uh, Cavern of Souls was getting pretty expensive and now we've got a reprint for it it's it's a little hard to get still as a box topper but we've got uh, at least a pool of thirty cards in here to to possibly crack open.
1: Yeah, and what's nice is that with these being accessible, and the collectors boosters, mm-hmm. um, the foil prices are going to go hopefully down a little bit too. Um, you know, if anything, the hopefully the, the prices on the normal versions of these cards go down because just generally the other ones are a little bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. but ours are not accessible a little bit more desired I should say so hopefully it's just like the ones that are you know your standard um once you got out of modern the fetch ones you got out of modern masters or um concept hardcore hopefully those go down a bit
0: yeah that's a lot to look forward to as of the recording of this podcast there are still many more spoilers coming out in the coming weeks and we can look forward to uh, the week of uh, September twenty-first, when we start to uh, be able to play it on Arena on Moto, and then it launches on the twenty-fifth. So, how many uh, how many boxes have you pre-ordered already?
1: <laughs> I have pre-ordered zero boxes,
0: <laughs>
1: only because I'm saving my I'm saving it for Arena. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that's definitely been your go-to way to play more nowadays. Obviously, even if we were outside of the COVID times, you'd still want to focus more on Arena?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: All right, cool. Well, uh, final thoughts on anything Zendikar Rising?
1: Uh, I'm super excited for it.
0: So yeah, uh, Magic it's coming to a Magic Arena soon, you know, probably around the 17th or 18th or something. We get a little bit of time to play it before it releases on paper, which is the 25th. So we'll see, we'll see what's in store with this new set. Okay, so um as we as we get towards the end of the podcast, let's look at the future. Let's look at the far-flung future of the year 2021, the uh, reveal stream told us all about the new sets that are coming out. Not every single detail, of course, but we've got a bunch of new sets coming out in the future. We've got their names, at least, so let's just kind of talk about them a little bit. Uh, we've got Kaldheim. I don't quite know anything about it. I know people have been talking about it here and there, that they've talked about that it's been in, like, flavor text or whatever, and that it was in Plane Chase and such. Any thoughts on Kaldheim?
1: Yeah, so it's a it's a viking theme set, which... I guess we don't have very much to go off of on that, but it sounds cool. I'm very excited for it. I think it, I think there's it's another one of those um one of those uh, one of these uh, occasions where they're going to be able to build out a really cool world and have a lot of really cool flavorful cards, kind of like what they did with Eldraine.
0: Mhm. I sort of vaguely myself think about it as like the Ice Age world of things, even though Ice Age was in Dominaria, but so it's it's like Vikings and snowy stuff and just I,
1: I, Yeah, I'm going to guess so it's either Vikings and snowy or Vikings and sea like the ocean oh,
0: okay maybe mm-hmm.
1: i maybe would would i would wager that maybe vehicles make a comeback oh, in sure. there yeah i could guess
0: mm-hmm. well, that's one of the kind of cool things that if they reveal just simply the name this early on we can start to speculate and then maybe put out our wants and desires about it but on the other hand we know so very little except just the name of it that who knows what it'll what it'll be
1: yeah, I mean it's interesting that it's it's coming out in Q1 of 2020 or 2021, which generally means it's probably around like February, March ish. Yeah. Maybe a little earlier, but like that's exciting. Um, you know, it's it's not that far away if you think about it. So yeah, but it's yeah. very very cool. Very excited to see what it what it actually looks like.
0: All right, so after Caldheim in quarter two, we're going to get Harry Potter World in the World of Magic, also known as Strixhaven School of Mages.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what to think about this one. Um, it, it, I, I, yeah, I have absolutely no clue. I'm just, I think it'll be really cool uh, if, kind of how they described it, like there was like five colleges of magic mm-hmm. that are all vying for power, I guess, or something. But like, I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, I think. There is room for something really cool to happen here, but I just have no clue what it is, what it's going to be.
0: Yeah, this is like last year or so when we got the reveal about here's the future of magic in the year 2020. We're going to have Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths, and we're like, what is that even going to be? So Strixhaven, yeah. I, I kind of like love the name of it, that it's kind of evocative. Like, I don't know what I'm, what it's evoking, but I like that it's evocative. Strixhaven, and then it's got a bird as the, uh, as the little icon, I guess, so that kind of reminds me of Baleful Strix. Um, and School of Mages, so, like I said, it's Harry Potter World, and we'll see how it goes, but uh, I think it's really interesting that they tease it out and give us plenty of time to speculate. Oh, yeah. After that, then we're going to get, I think, the slide also says uh, set names, not final, but they have it listed here as Dungeons and Dragons, Adventures into the Forgotten Realms, so uh, I wonder if that's going to fit, actually, on the poster pack. But, uh, we're gonna get Dungeons and Dragon's world in an official black border version of a magic set. So uh, it's Canon now that there is a plane of the multiverse that is the Dungeons and Dragons world.
1: yeah, this is actually I think this is the one I'm most excited for as an avid d and d player. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff in that world mm-hmm. and that I'm even still you know finding and exploring. so. Yeah, I I bet that they're going to be going to absolute, absolute a town on a lot of callbacks and references and to, you know, locations and and enemies and stuff like that in in the set. And the one thing that they did mention here that they in in this article that they did not mention um, in the preview um, is that it's actually coming out in place of the core set. So there's going to be no core set next year. It will be this instead, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, after I kind of scrutinize things, uh, when I kind of look at looked at things uh, a second time, I noticed. Hey, wait a minute. There's no corset this time. So I'm I'm fine with that. It's it, it'll be interesting that they maybe do a corset every other year, and uh, they're changing things up. And this coming year, we're gonna have a new set every single year instead of the the corset, which is cool. It's it's a mishmash of things, but here we have like a focused set every uh, every quarter.
1: I'm definitely not sad that we're losing. I I generally like core sets a lot. They have a lot of cool cards in them, but I'm not sad that we're, you know, that we're giving up a core set for this.
0: Yeah. Now what I'm really interested about and confused is they mentioned that there's going to be two Return to Innistrad sets in quarter four of 2021. There's no names just yet. They just have the placeholder Innistrad Werewolves and Innistrad Vampires. And it seems like they said that these were going to be each a complete set. So, you know, 270 cards or whatever. So... What do you think about that? Two Innistrad sets at the end of the year?
1: I think that it's been, it, it's something that it, it, this is, this is a, a play to the fans of people who've been asking for this for so long. Personally, like I loved the I loved the original Innistrad set. Um, I kind I wasn't as big a fan of Shadows, mm-hmm. so we'll see how this one plays out. But I think um, this is an, again another instance where there's a ton of room um and of for them to draw on the lore and myths of you know werewolves and vampires and really kind of bake this world full of flavor uh you know and just you know really go to town and focus in on this because Innistrad has been is kind of you know like your your um like your eldritch horror kind of style type um theme Mm -hmm. and it, it has so much going on in Innistrad that it's very hard to focus in on a couple of different things. And vampires and more even so arguably werewolves have been kind of pushed to the bottom of the supported archetypes um, for quite some time. So it's cool to see them kind of really be able to dive into the lore deep, hopefully be able to pull out some really, really sweet cards and art and mm-hmm. story to go along with it. So, yeah, that's going to be exciting.
0: It's interesting to look back on the history of Magic sets especially when they've returned because they they it seems like they didn't they had they were kind of striking out a little bit in terms of okay we had original Innistrad and everyone loved it we had you know return to Innistrad El, uh Shadows over Innistrad which wasn't as beloved as the original and that also happened with um with uh, Zendikar. We had original Zendikar. People loved it. We had battle for Zendikar, and it didn't quite resonate as much. Um, and here we're doing like a third time's the charm with Estrad And I, I think they'll probably be able to pull it off because learning from the past mistakes especially is a big thing I think that Magic is good at.
1: Yeah, and I think that also too, like, hopefully there won't be any crazy out of left field things happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Shadow's Block, there was... Uh, emircle yeah randomly showed up on the plane um so hopefully there's nothing crazy out of left field but um yeah i mean like i think that people have been wanting something focused in on the werewolves for so long and vampires for so long they're two of the most loved um fan favorite archetypes and, and creature types of all time so it's one of those things where you know they, i don't think that uh, assuming they, they they have to completely just botch the entire design <laughs> for them for it the, to not be a success right like they mm-hmm. they have so much get going for them that it can be a home run as long as they just you know even do like a halfway decent job it'll still be good
0: yeah if they focus on the core tenets of it if they focus on what we see here that it's going to be werewolves and vampires you know not not like a uh, demonic uh, werewolf made out of emrical tentacles
1: right exactly yeah
0: so mini rant from myself here. I'm more of a fan of the multi-block paradigm. Um, So way back in the 90s, we had uh, the very first block set officially, which was Mirage. There was Mirage, Visions, and Weatherlight. Uh, I I like the three-block structure, even though I know that there are problems and fatigue with spending so much time on one plane. But I like the lore aspect of things. I like that there's the breathing room to kind of figure things out more. Sometimes the blocks, each particular set maybe doesn't isn't as cohesive maybe in draft. But I like the three staying three in in a in a plane. I was fine with when they went down to two, so again, you know, Exelon uh, block or uh Kaladesh block where it was two of a set and you get to breathe i'm not a big fan that they just do the one and done and then move on and there's four of them every year and there's just not enough time to kind of stay and enjoy things even though it was kind of funny that they had Heels of ravnica ravnica allegiance and war of the spark which all felt like it was a return to return to return to ravnica here uh from the next year coming up it looks like we're going to do that again in terms of one and done until we get to ravnica and they're going to cram it all in quarter four which is kind of weird you're going to have two big sets in a short amount of time quarter four thoughts on on any of that
1: yeah i mean i agree i definitely love i love at least having two Mm -hmm. i loved having three there was a lot of really cool things and like you could you could build up kind of like a, like what they did with original Zendikar, what they did with um, the uh, original Innistrad block. Um, you kind of build mm-hmm. this foundation of the first and the second set, and then the third set kind of just turns everything on its head, but it's still tied in. Like, there's a lot of cool things you could be doing with three sets, and even with, like, two sets. Um you know, there's a lot of of progression that, you know, players players are smart, like the people who are, you know, lore nerds and who love all the lore and, and mm-hmm. stuff and, and who, you know, really dive into the cards um in that perspective as it pertains to the story. There is so much progression on these cards that could be done if there was a second set. Yeah. Um like if we had a second Eldrain set, right? If we had mm-hmm. a second Ikoria set. There could be there's so much that we could do or that I should say that wizards could do. Mm -hmm. as far as telling more story progressing more cards um you know that they they just miss out on these opportunities to do so and i i'm surprised that for something as big as dungeons and dragons unless they're literal like unless dungeons and dragons the dungeons and dragons set isn't really like meant to tell a story per se and it's meant to kind of be a a cute collaboration set Mm um you know there's endless amounts of story that could be done with the Dungeons and Dragons stuff like that. That universe is huge. There's yeah. so much. That I I find it hard that they're going to be able to cram everything into one set. You know, I would have, I would have loved to at least seen a second set for the the Dungeons yeah. and Dragons stuff.
0: I'm sure their reply to that is, well, we'll return, but unfortunately, it takes years yeah. to return. Wasn't it years between the end of Battle, the end of um Rise of the Eldrazi, until we got Battle for Zendikar? Literally years.
1: It was probably around seven years maybe six years yeah maybe maybe it was five years i think it was actually five years it might have been either way it was a while it was years yeah
0: even if even if it was one year people just have so much attention to give and to wait one year two years and whatever x years it was back then and even when we went from Innistrad back to uh, shadows, but that was a, tying a little bit more with the Eldrazi, and like yeah, time. I know that they're working pretty far in advance most of the time. They already probably have, you know, sets figured out for the year 2025. Um, but um, yeah. for us in the real world, like, it kind of feels like it's either things are too fast or things are too slow. But I guess that's our that's our lot as Magic players. We're, we're never happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs>
0: Well, there's a couple uh, ancillary items that are also coming out in 2021. We've got Time Spiral Remastered. So uh, we recently had Ket Remastered on Arena. And we back in the day, we had Tempest Remastered on uh, Magic Online. And here we're going to get the best of all three. Speaking of three in a block, we're going to get the best of all three of the original Time Spiral block into one set. Thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think that the them putting in kind of like the old school frames for some of the cards is very cool as Mm -hmm. well. Um, It's also going to do a a number on some of the cards that are a little bit more expensive out of that set to bring the prices down on them maybe a little bit. So that's exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very, very excited to see that. I haven't, I didn't get to play. um, I didn't get to play the uh, original uh, time Spiral block at all. It's way before my time. Mm -hmm. So this will be, this will be cool if I, if I, hopefully, I'll be able to get a chance to uh, to draft it.
0: What's interesting from I wasn't playing at that time either, but from what I've read, um, some of the cards within that block are uh, Mark Rosewater admits some of the greatest mistakes in the world of Magic. Because, for example, making you know a white counter spell or making, a, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like people always tell him, well, why can't this color have that? You did it before. And he said, yeah, we did it in a kind of a fake future set. So that was the greatest mistake because there's a real card that exists that fuels people to ask for what a certain color doesn't do. So I wonder how many of those cards that are that were mistakes will come back in this set.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's like, if the cat remastered, like if that was anything to go off of, um, well, yes, they're grabbing from three sets for this versus two for Ammon Cat. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna get a lot of the fan favorites. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wager because um, you can only fit so many cards in the set, uh, and you have, you know, you have a whole bunch of different. You have three sets to choose from. Um, they're gonna pick the fan favorites because, like, when. Uh, when Amonkhet remastered was starting to be uh, previewed, and when the white cards were previewed, and we didn't see Regal Caracol on that list, mm-hmm. Twitter, the Magic Twitter, went up in flames. They're like, "Why is this not on this? You know, why is it not on the list?" And then we came come to find out that it was actually the buy a box card, or the 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 the, the buy the bigger bundle
0: yeah
1: card, right? So it was there. They know that there are cards that they need to to put in there, and if any of the mistakes, what I'm not sure exactly which of those cards he's referring to aside out of monetized, um, if if any of those are actual fan favorites, they're hopefully going to be in there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, considering as well too that it is a self-contained set, um, it's meant to be drafted, right? So, yeah. it's probably not. It'll, they'll probably make it in.
0: Yeah, and it's also going to feed into other other formats most likely, um. But uh, yeah, I'm still stinging that we didn't get anointed pouncer in uh, Ham and Cat remastered. I love that. I love that double striking uh, zombie cat. Yeah,
1: that felt like a big miss.
0: And uh, the other non-Arena set that's coming out is Modern Horizons 2. So I enjoyed the original Modern Horizons. I like that it was a kind of a mishmash of uh, vintage stuff plus new takes on vintage stuff. And I guess we're going to get more of the same on that. And that's where we're going to get the fetchlands in booster packs. Slightly more expensive. But we're going to get them in booster packs in Modern Horizons 2.
1: I'm super excited. Modern Horizons 1 was a really, really fun, really, really great draft experience. Mm-hmm. um and it had a really big impact on on modern there's a lot <laughs> yes. of cards in there hogak that was banned almost in like you know very very quickly urza mm-hmm. um ash arkham's astrolabe that was just recently banned like there's a mm-hmm. ton out of that set that was you know really really impactful on on modern so um you know having fetch lands be reprinted going to you know hopefully drive people to play more modern which is exciting i think eternal form those those formats are fun and they definitely they should be accessible to to, to the mm-hmm. vast majority of people right they shouldn't be you know 1500 decks for like a singular deck 1500 um no not i don't think that that should be the case but
0: yeah
1: yeah very exciting i can't wait to see what new stuff they're going to pull into it because they did put some really cool stuff in modern horizons one should be should be a hit for modern horizons two i'm sure
0: yeah, so lots of stuff to look forward to in the year 2021. Are we forgetting anything?
1: Uh, I guess if you care about secret Layers, Yargle secret lair uh, <laughs> tomorrow. All right, <laughs> uh, not tomorrow. If you're listening to this, I guess you would have missed it. So you would have had to order the Yargle secret lair. It was on September 3rd. Yeah. And then the secret, de- uh, secret lair Walking Dead, I guess, is coming soon, which is kind of cool. All zombie-themed stuff.
0: Yeah, so we're. I, I wonder if we're going to get the an official like Rick Grimes card or Michonne card, and uh, what their stats will be. I know Michonne is going to be like the alternate version of Massacre Girl.
1: Oh yeah, there you go. Actually, that'd be kind of that be pretty sick.
0: Yes, I wonder if it's going to be like that with Godzilla cards. That it's just alternate names of things that do actually exist, or will they be? Well, the re- reveal that they've done so far is literally a called a card called a token. Is it a token or a card? It's called Walker. It's a and it's a two-two token creature zombie, so it's, it, it's.
1: Yeah, I think it's just your your standard zombie token, but
0: mm-hmm. they just
1: name it Walker. It's. I think it's still going to be super super cool. I, I expect that. Yeah, you're you're gonna you're right that there's going to be like the Godzilla art. It's going to be, you know, just a reference back to a, an existing car, but it'll be something from the show, yeah. um, or the comic. Yeah, it will be. That should be cool.
0: Oh, well, kudos to you for mentioning the comic. Not a lot of people min- remember the Walking Dead comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, happy Yargle Day, I guess, September 3rd. So that's cool. <laughs> I didn't know that was something we were celebrating nowadays, but, yeah. I, I didn't either. There's a secret layer to uh, promote that. Uh, the art is kind of funny and cool. and I love it. The art is sweet. <laughs> and then we've got the opt with, uh, instead of Teferi, we've got... Yargle opting and fatal push. It's the uh, Yargle fatally pushing a guy.
1: <laughs> I love it. It's so it's so good.
0: Yeah, these are fun. Um, I there's been just a lot of great. I, I think secret layer. I, there was the chatter about it a while ago. Where it's like there's too much secret layer, but it's not. It not every layer is for you, and not everyone cares about what every layer is. And just get what you like, and then you know just enjoy what you get. And uh, it's a cool little collectible. And if you want to put it in decks, even better. But um, there's something that people are gonna like. Like you know, some people are, are into The Walking Dead, and some people moved on, and some people are gonna come back to it, and they're gonna have a magic card that represents something from that franchise as well.
1: Oh, interesting. Real quick, Ben, before we jump off to this, or we, before we move on, there was a card, a new Zender card card that was just released by Channel Fireball on Twitter, or maybe mm-hmm. it was like by uh, Grim, Mine Carver. It's a, a new equipment. One black for an equipment is equipped cost of two and a black. When it enters the battlefield, attach it to a creature you control. So kind of like the uh, Evercleave thing. Mm-hmm. The crypt creature gets plus one, plus zero. It gets plus three, plus one instead, as long as your opponent has eight more cards in their graveyard. Interesting. I don't know what to think about that.
0: Breaking news. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, literally 13 minutes ago, according to the timestamp, so amazing art and yeah we're definitely getting more equipment coming into the new set um so that wouldn't be threshold right threshold is something about seven but in your own
1: yeah it's seven seven more seven cards in in your graveyard
0: so it's anti-threshold yeah well that's cool it's got a little bit of uh of everything in terms of it can be simply a plus one or a plus three plus one and then equip cost is three on that, and an auto attach, so they might be creating more of these auto equip, auto attach um, equipments coming out. Uh, this is uh, also continuing the, the train of thought of a of a colored artifact instead of a colorless artifact. Thoughts on that? Thoughts uh, on the focus on on more colorized artifacts? All about it. I think it's cool. Because they kind of synergize better in a deck, or they don't, or they're not as overpowered
1: i think just because they are they're less um ambiguous i guess yeah they could they can just go they go in specific decks right they're not they're not slot into every deck that would run equipment like you have to be you have to be dedicated to the to the color for it
0: Mm -hmm. okay well we got some breaking news at the end of the podcast which by the time people hear it uh, they've already heard about it but if they didn't hear about it we just revealed here mind carver on the podcast (laughs) all right well um we talked a bunch of magic and um what's coming very soon and what's coming much more in the future so Final thoughts on you mentioned a little bit of the uh, sort of the lore of things. Uh, We're getting lore back, we're getting stories back on the website. I, for one, like that. I like all aspects of magic the the play aspect of it, the brew aspect, the um, competitive nature, the casual nature, the art, the uh, lore of it. And I know that I missed not having something to read about the recent sets. And so I'm glad that lore is back. What about yourself?
1: I, I definitely enjoyed some of the stories back back in the day. Um, I I am also kind of you know a, a lore junkie as well myself for things in World of Warcraft and Starcraft mm-hmm. and uh, you know Magic as well too. So um, I'm, that's a that's very exciting to see that that those are coming back.
0: Yeah, as of this podcast, there's already um, some episodes up on the mothership. So they announced it and then they published them right away. So so that's what I like to see, and that's some good bedtime reading. Uh, to get into the uh, the hype mode, because we've got a lot of Zendikar uh, cards coming out, and to see some lore that attaches to them, as well as the flavor text and other things that we'll see, I think that really rounds out the world. If we can't stay on a, on a plane for more than one set, I, I really think the lore is an important aspect. Yep, most definitely. Well, Dragosi, as, we ra- as we wind down at the very end, uh, f- uh, what would you like to uh, promote again or reveal or anything of the like?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned earlier in the podcast the, in the beginning that um, I had some special promotional things that I wanted to talk about. Um, so the last time I was on the podcast, I had joined a team, a Magic team, mm-hmm. uh, with Rebel Esports. Uh, unfortunately, since then, the team has disbanded, but mm-hmm. a lot of... Uh, a lot of the original members of that team have stuck together and we have created a magic content community website, um, called the 10th street journal. Uh, and so I am one of the co-founders as well as a writer, video producer and content manager of the site. Um, we have, uh, Twitter, Instagram, the website itself, YouTube, uh, and we do multiple articles, uh, magic articles a week, uh, mostly focused on arena for, uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, standard, historic, talking about commander as well, maybe brawl here and there. Um, but we do have, you know, like uh, between four to six articles a week, uh, and then we have about four videos go up on our YouTube every week, um, including a podcast which we do on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so that's one of the promotional things if uh in addition to my twitter and and twitch and and whatnot as well um you can find my articles over on 10streetjournal.com uh and uh so that i write like i said i write a historic article every week um and i also am responsible for doing kind of the um uh emergency need an article to go up for example (laughs) um ban and restricted announcement analysis uh, doing preview videos for the YouTube channel as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm I'm pretty heavily involved in that content. So you can check some of that stuff out. Um, in addition, really cool thing as well. We are doing tournaments as well, too. We're going to be starting mm-hmm. our tournaments on the 19th uh, of September. So in a couple of weeks here um, on magic arena, and uh, we'll be doing a, two tournaments a month uh, with prize support for at least one of them. And, uh, the formats will change um we will be asking on our twitter uh, about like what kind of formats people want to play for the coming weeks mm-hmm. uh so just to give get some feedback from the community but we're a community of people who love magic who want to help each other grow and and uh become either better magic players content producers what have you um so we would love to have everybody come and join us uh, as well in the uh, in our discord uh, as well again to Check out the website and the YouTube for for some of the content we put out there.
0: Oh, thanks so much for that. I'm definitely going to put all of the links. Give me whatever links you want. I'll put them in the show notes, get you more traffic and more visibility and such. You really sound like you're, you're, you're turning into quite an empire there with, with a Discord, <laughs> with the podcast, with the videos, with the website. And I was taking a look at the site and yeah, I saw a lot of great articles that I want to jump into. It seems like uh, like you even said earlier that uh, Historic is, is starting to be like much more of your bread and butter on ARENA.
1: Yeah, for me personally, that's like the format. That's the format I love the the most. You get to play with the most, you know, cool cards in there. At least mm-hmm. I think so, anyway. So, yeah, that's kind of been my bread and butter for ladder, and it's also been my bread and butter for content for the most part, too. So, yeah, I've been been getting really deep into that stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're 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 trying to build up. Like I said, we're trying to just build up. Um, you know, just a a, a safe space where people can come in and hang out, and you know talk about magic and play magic with each other and, and, you know, just generally have a, have a a good place to, to, you know, call, you know, have some friends, Mm -hmm. have some friends around and whatnot, right. To socialize. And especially in, you know, these times where we can't necessarily go out to our local game stores, Mm -hmm. you know, having, having a, a really cool, safe, friendly environment for people to come and hang out and play magic and, you know, grow as far as competitiveness or just have some fun. That's what we're about. So.
0: That perfectly ties into the core tenets of magic itself in that it's this great game it's a fun game it's a it's it's the gathering magic the gathering so I'm glad you're continuing that in your own endeavors during these times and I, I appreciate that that it's uh you know like you're saying uh, safe space inclusive and so forth so very cool I'll put all of those links in the in the notes. Um, and I, I, think I noticed that, um, you also put in a little bit of like for the, for the lore people, even the name of your, of your organization.
1: Yeah. So the, the other founder of the Ten street journal, um, his name is Shinogi. Uh, he, he's on uh, Twitter, but he was the guy who originally recruited me into the magic team, um, uh, to begin with. And so, between him and i he he's a mono red player he plays goblins he plays red aggro mm-hmm. he's all about that stuff so he kind of put in to, put together um, when he put together the 10th street journal um you know maybe about a month and a half ago or so uh, that's what we kind of stuck with as a working title um we were initially thinking of um it was going to be our working um temporary team name until we ended up finding a competitive team to join and then it turned into you know, we're just going to make it the 10th Street Journal. We're going to do this thing our own way because we were just having some trouble finding organizations that wanted to, you know, pick up some Magic players. And so we just, you know, said, you know what? Let's just do it our own way. Let's just do our own thing. And now it's, uh, it's growing and it's, you know, we're getting... You know, we, we we're partnered with a local game store in my area who's oh. helping us with prize support for our tournaments. We're mm-hmm. getting sponsorships with different um, companies and stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It's all growing. A lot of stuff happening very, very quickly. But it's uh, it's very, very cool to to have a lot of, you know, great people um, in the community there might be some, even some faces you will recognize from Magic Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you float around Magic Twitter at all, there might be some people you recognize in there who are staff writers for us, um, mm-hmm. and content producers. So yeah, definitely come hang out. We would love to have all of you. So for the Patreon, the 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 current iteration of tiers that we have, I had to be careful when picking the names for them because I don't mm-hmm. want like Tin Street itself is something that doesn't necessarily i don't think has a copyright in anywhere in magic sure. oh, but yeah. i want to i want to be careful about the names of cards so if we can get away with that we will we'll will definitely be changing the names of the 10 street or of the <laughs> patreon tiers hmm. but currently the patreon tiers um are 10 street recruit 10 street tavern regulars oh our, our discord is called the 10 street tavern hmm. um 10 street tavern regulars the 10 the tavern storyteller tier um the tavern adventurer tier the tavern bard tier and the tavern vip tier and we have so there's uh, six different tiers each getting you know varying um benefits uh the top two tiers are ones where like say like the the street what is it the bard or the tavern tier yeah. or the tavern bard tier um would get you know, to be on the one of our podcasts for um, you know if they mm. wanted to if there's something they wanted to talk about, or we we're planning on doing a commander an online commander series, mm. they could be on one of those one of those videos. Um, and then the VIP tier, they get to be in you know either the commander um, one for a whole season of that and then it it also get to be on the podcast for like a month so like the those are just those are the very very top end if those are people who like really want to be involved but Mm -hmm. patreon is one of those things that also just helps us keep the lights on we're all doing this right now it's kind of a passion project and so if that's something i'll give i can give you links for as well too but Mm -hmm. um yeah if anybody's interested in in joining our patreon as well too um like i said we have those you know not required but if you if you love what we're doing we appreciate that too
0: I think I do see that a lot of magic fans out there do love supporting their content creators so uh, I'm sure you're you're gonna just build more and keep the lights on and even progress beyond that so yeah definitely give me all of those links I'll put them into the description and thanks for sharing that
1: yeah absolutely and if anybody has any suggestions on things that they would love to see from us um you know we, the discord is always open the 10th Street um the 10th street twitter um which is Ten street news uh is open the dms are open there um you know feel free to reach out to us we, we we this is a community and so if you know if you guys have any cool cool things you'd love to see from us as well too mm-hmm. we'd love to hear it
0: cool well thank you on that um thank you for your time as well in the podcast and um final thoughts on anything at all
1: no, I think uh, that was yeah. I I always love being on your podcast. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, you know, promote Ten Street as well too. It's something that you know I've been putting a ton of time into. Honestly, it's that's that's the reason I've been taking a break from playing Magic is I've been mm-hmm. just doing that. So
0: yeah, setting your foundation and everything, putting putting everything up.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just getting getting everything in order. Just you know, so yeah, I I appreciate you know, like I said, you having me on and letting me uh, promote that
0: no problem that's one of the big goals of this podcast is just to talk with a variety of magic people in however they like to play and with a focus on arena online and such but uh with everyone's experiences and that's why i do this so thanks everyone for listening to the podcast i'll see you next time this has been vm campos and i'll see you in the arena